If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Incomparable, number 696, December 2023. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable Podcast. I am your host, Jason Snell. And in a tradition we started several years ago that just keeps rolling on because there are a few more movies we can do this with. Uh, but we only do one a year now because there are not that many. And I love this tradition. It's Kilmas, our annual holiday celebration, uh, as you do, as you do every year, or as I do every year, of the great actor Val Kilmer. Um, why? I don't know, because I said so. That's why. And in this episode, this year, our choice for film was 2005's Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, written and directed by Shane Black. If you've seen movies made by Shane Black, you have an idea of what this movie is, too. Let me tell you about the people who decided to come and celebrate Kilmas with me this year. One of them is Annette Weirstra. Uh, hi, Annette. Hello. This is definitely my favorite holiday of the year, and I am dressed as Val Kilmer in Willow, Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. That's very nice. I, I've got the uh, mm -hmm. I've got the the little uh, antennae and the bunny slippers from Real Genius. Mm. I do for sure Classic. for real. Dan Morin's also here. Hi, Dan. I used to be a magician, um, and I am dressed as Batman, <laughs> the Val Kilmer Batman. Okay, obviously. that's a good. That's great. That's perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Ah, ah, Batman, et cetera. Ah, Batman. Ah, uh, yes, that's one. Of, that's a, a, an honorary Kilmas. And joining us, I think this might be her first Kilmas, but she's not sure um, because she confessed before the show that she had to look up who Val Kilmer was. It's Tiff Armand. Hi, Tiff. <laughs> oh, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. You're I, a I looked. Yeah, biggest yeah, fan. I, I'm. Yes, actually, I am dressed head to toe as like just Val Kilmer. You as know, Val like, Kilmer, I have the mask, like a really realistic the man, one. The yes, legend, exactly. I'm totally sure exactly who he is. Yep, it's, you're, it's, you're full of lies. It's Jason. great. It's great. Okay, so Tiff, Tiff, <laughs> we've consulted with an expert on Val Kilmer, Tiff Arment, to help us talk about I'm here. the film. You're welcome. Yeah, your kiss, PhD kiss, in Kilmology I'm, is I'm, well known. Yeah, I majored in Val Kilmer. I don't think you guys know that. Now, I'm going to also recommend everybody, if you're looking for more Kilmus content in addition to this episode, my favorite podcast, The Flop House, just dropped an episode, I think because they must know it's Kilmus. Uh, called Flophouse Mini number 94, Outside the Actor's Studio, where they talk entirely for an entire episode about Val Kilmer. It's true about everything about Val Kilmer. So please check it out. It's an honorary part of Kilmus this year. Thank you to the Flophouse guys for getting in the holiday spirit. So kiss, kiss, bang, bang. We talked about other movies that are going to come in future Kilmus years, I guess. Didn't touch Top Gun. There, there's no tombstone. We haven't done that one. Mm, mm. Uh, there's, there's someone others. Someone will be someone's Huckleberry, etc. Yeah, there's some interesting ones that are out there that we haven't covered yet. There's a Vil Val Kilmer topic on the Incomparable website, so you can find all the Val Kilmer movies we've covered. It's, it's right there. This so one, this was just kind of magic that it happened to be a Christmas movie, also. You know, it it is it is a Kilmas movie and a Christmas movie. Although well, it's I, Shane Black, I have to point out that Shane Black's Wikipedia page has a filmography that lists not only the year, whether he directed it, whether he wrote it, or whether he produced it, but also is it a Christmas movie? Because Shane Black, it must he must be the only he must be the only director to oh, have that. It's hilarious. His, it's, you know, it's, Lethal it's, Weapon and <laughs> Lethal Weapon. Um, Iron Man 3. So, Iron Man 3. Yeah. So 
Robert Downey Jr. is the star of Kiss, Kiss Bang Bang, although we all know that Val Kilmer is the best thing in it. But mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. is the star. And I just want to point out, this is a fascinating movie in, in time, in 2005, because first off, this is sort of latter-day Val Kilmer, not quite at his island of Dr. Moroeist necessarily, but a latter-day Val Kilmer. And I honestly don't know where an island of Dr. Moreau was made. Maybe it was before this. I don't know. That's anyway, the 90s. That's it's the 90s, not, it, right? Yeah, maybe so. So this is later than that. Well, this it, is like it's a Val late, Kilmer resurgence. It's a later career resurgence for Val Kilmer. Yeah, that's right. After he made he made that movie that um, took us all to dog heaven. So um, also, though, this is the Robert Downey Jr. resurgence. Before Iron Man, after prison, there was this... <laughs> moment where uh robert downey jr wanted to work again but um the insurance companies insuring these movies were like i don't know he could just get arrested for drugs again and again and that would be bad and so i feel like the fact that shane black ultimately directed and wrote iron man 3 when john Favreau uh, didn't want to do it um that robert downey jr kind of i assume got him the job I think maybe there is some indebtedness going on too, where it's like he took a he took a shot with me when I was probably uninsurable or mostly uninsurable, and uh, and so we we bonded a little bit because yeah, this when is I became a, the most yeah. bankable star in Hollywood, right? Right, and he's not that far away. He's not that far yeah. away. It's it's like a couple of years away. Three three years, I think, after yeah. this movie came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Uh, but but this is from the the dark time for Robert Downey Jr. too. So. We get a movie that is a uh, a a. Let, let me also, uh, based on what I've read about this movie, I'm just I'm just unloading my little notebook of research here before we talk about what happens in this movie. Um, apparently, Shane Black was tired of being pigeonholed as an action movie director, and so he wrote a romantic col- comedy slash a black comedy set in Hollywood about uh, you know uh, how cliche all the cliches about Hollywood and how fake they are and all those things right and then uh, showed it to producers and I believe it's Joel Silver who said uh, this is good but it needs more uh, fights or explosions or something and so what we get is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang which is it starts as that and then obviously got rebuilt around having like lots of gunplay and stuff boy, so it, it boy, ends up being kind of pretty shane here. black in the end right pretty shane black in the end i think that i think that tr- shows because as i was rewatching this movie this is a movie i saw i'm pretty sure in the movie theaters when oh, it came wow. out. i remember seeing the trailers for it and like being like that looks kind of up my alley and i upon rewatching this and i rewatched it uh not that long ago with my wife and then rewatched it again for this and found myself thinking this movie is perhaps too much <laughs> like oh. there are too many things going on in this movie oh yes because there's bits about what? hollywood there's acting there's detectives there's magicians and like all of this i'm stuff. sorry i i think there's not enough going on in this movie <laughs> personally <laughs> oh wow tiff that's not enough. That, well, coming out of the gate strong on that one all right <laughs> i will say there's a lot in here. What doesn't it do, this movie? What doesn't exactly. it do? Exactly. It's got an unreliable narrator, you know? Yeah, it's got, right. It's got, it's got a, fa- I love a, an unre- a... It's got a fantasy scene right at the end that it just says, well, forget about that. This rest of the stuff is totally real. It's, it's it got a dog eating a finger. What more could you want? It's got a dog eating a finger. It's yeah. got the whole nine yards. I will say as part of my opening statement No, it doesn't have movie, that. That's a different thing. Uh, the, uh, this, Shane Black did this, kind of tried to do this movie again. Uh, and I think probably more successfully as a straight up sort of action mystery movie, which is The Nice Guys, which if you haven't seen, is basically this movie, but better except for the lack of Val Kilmer. Uh, so that is my, mm-hmm. that's my selling that movie. All that right. movie's a great, great movie. And um, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to do that on uh, Shane Black Friday or something. I don't know. I'm just making things <laughs> up here. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. that I like uh, it's got Russell Crowe in it. It could be a Chromis once you've gonna run out of Kilmus movies. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, Tiff, Tiff, do you want to you want to weigh in here about uh, how much is in this movie? Is it a lot? Not enough? What 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 are you thinking? Um. All right. So I actually really like this movie. I saw it for the first time this morning. Um. Oh, and right. yeah, it. I know it's the so true prepared. spirit of Kilmus right there. It is. Cram it for a podcast. That's Kilmus. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was hours ago. It was oh, so yeah. long ago. Yeah. So um, 
Yes, I actually did like this movie, and I um, I'm a really big Robert Downey Jr. fan, even when he's all druggy and terrible. I don't know. There's something about like the manic, fast tor- the fast talking, cocky mm-hmm. guy that you know he's a little messed up, a little sad. Um, I like a little goofy. I mean, I like the weirdos. What can I say? It's totally yeah. my type. So yeah, I just uh, I. I thought it was just a really fun movie because it's poking fun at so much and it's poking fun at like so many genres. It's poking fun at like, I I don't know, the whole finger thing made me think of like Guy Ritchie movies. Like it was, it was just Mm -hmm. so ridiculous and I was there for it. Like I was okay with having them take me along and having like a lot of fun at this stupid, stupid movie. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really liked it. And uh, Val Kimmer was amazing. So I, I really, I thought he was great. He was the best part of the movie yeah. yes. um, in terms of like mm-hmm. good acting yeah. and focus and everything like that. And like the, uh, that was the he's, best. But he's also overall, Val, I love Val Kilmer's kind of like the anchor of this movie in a he's way, too. He's a straight man. He's too. A, yeah. <laughs> he's like Ironically competent. And, putting that, no, but, but yeah. he's not. But he's not. No, he's <laughs> well, not. But he kind of is. But, but well, not in that way, but in the other way. Annette, um, you have you watched this before or was this a first I time? I had for you? watched it before. The funny thing is. I'm I like I've watched it before. I remember liking it. I remembered nothing other than there were pools and like parties around uh, pools. pools. I had sure. this Yeah, I mean like that's LA. the only thing I remembered and and so like it was sort of like watching it again for the first time cuz clearly the entire thing was just like pulled from my memory. I didn't know who did anything, what was happening, where it was going. I forgot the finger part. How do you forget the finger part? <laughs> and that all I remember is people in cars. <laughs> so busy. People right? in cars. So That's all pools, I remember. remember There's cars. people in cars, right? And there totally are people in cars in this and yeah, every other movie ever. But that's yeah. what I remember. Just, yeah, it's just like Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. are in a I car. I do frequently say yeah. of this, uh, I do frequently use who taught you math uh, from this uh, movie because that is a line that has stuck in my memory for almost <laughs> 20 years. So this is a a bunch of different things all piled on. I, I mean, I, I also like this movie, although I think it, is too much and i think that there are lots of things about it that i find perplexing or frustrating but at the same time i think tiff's attitude might be the right one which is there's a lot to like here it's it's kind of bananas and it's kind of a dumb movie and you just kind of have to to enjoy it you just got to take what you will from it and then leave the rest right that i feel like there's plenty of stuff to leave uh, but a lot of stuff to to take from it and i like that it's trying it is trying very hard to please you throughout it's trying real hard right sometimes too hard maybe but it's trying really really hard so it's 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 yeah. funny i will point out i mean you mentioned the the sort of the rom-com thing that then had to get juiced up a bit and basically what happened it seems like is shane black emptied his collection of raymond chandler into this movie uh-huh. literally all of the <laughs> chapter names are raymond chandler mm-hmm. books so like, and there's a Raymond Chandler proxy in the in the noir detective Johnny novels, Gosper. although like a, yeah, Gosper, a slightly yeah. cheesier. Yes, yes. but um, yeah, it, it is it is very clearly his love of sort of that hard boiled detective thing. Sure. that is getting dumped in here. So see, um, Jason, yes. I feel like it's not trying hard to get you to like it. I think it doesn't even care if you like it. Interesting. I think okay. it's just <laughs> I think it's just going off the rails, and it's like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hmm. do this, and this is gonna happen to you while you watch it, and you're just going to have to either hate it or love it and take it or leave it. Like, well, that's that, it. That's another way to look at it, that. Shane Black is just going to pull pull out all of his stuff and pour it into the movie. And it's like, here it is. Uh, yep. I, I, yeah. I don't know whether the movie wants me to like it or not, but it's trying hard regardless. Whether it's trying for my sake or just Shane Black's sake or for its own sake, I don't know. But it, it, it definitely, you can you can see that it's like, it's working. It's it's working hard. It's not, just, it's not, I don't think this is a, a, a lazy movie in in most ways i think i think it's it's just uh yeah it's doing a lot of stuff so let me let me set the scene here <laughs> our main character is robert downey jr uh he is harry he is a thief we meet him robbing a toy store um he's gonna the romantic element here is that he's gonna meet up with his uh, the girl that he had a crush on harmony who's played by michelle monahan who you may remember from other a little more sedate movies like Source Code, a movie I love uh, that we've talked about here. Um, she he's gonna he's gonna meet her later, and then she's gonna get get ensnared in this L.A. noir uh, uh, mystery that's going on here. But when we meet him, and this is when you get the sense that oh, there will also be Hollywood satire in this film. 
is he flees the crime scene after an alarm goes off. His partner is shot to death by a lady on a fire escape. He runs down the street fleeing cops and into a screen test, a script reading for actors where they accept him as a person who's reading and the script he's reading involves the character's partner having been killed and it's my fault, which of course he reads incredibly realistically since it's literally (laughs) what just happened to him. And they're like, it's really one of those that's our Hitler kind of moments where they're like, get your great kid and and the cops come in. In another, I, I think a very funny, maybe not understated, but a very funny moment where like the cops are on the lookout for this guy who's the robber. But when they break into the sanctity of the uh, audition, the cops are like, oh, we're very sorry. I love that. It's like, well, the law good stops luck. at the door. Good luck. Good luck guy, to you. Which I, I says, do well. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah, Hollywood. Uh, even though this is in New York, it's like, oh, yeah, Hollywood. Good luck. With your audition. I love how all the New York scenes are just like really dingy and like just the trashiest locations. Like this audition is happening in what looks like some random warehouse it's room. A te- it's like <laughs> a tenement. <laughs> yeah. also, I have to point out, staircase. At, it's, it's so it, dark. Not only that, but it happened. It's happening at a time where the stores are closed, so you yes. can rob the stores. Yeah, which yeah. seems like an it's odd like time. Eleven p.m. audition the at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory is basically what's happening. Here. <laughs> that's New York. It's New York. I mean, that's my New York. <laughs> Uh, that's Harry Lockhart's New York. Um, and the, oh, and the casting director, I should, I should mention it's Larry Miller, comedian, Larry Miller, Miller, who, who has a little bit of a part here as the casting director. And they, and the the idea here is that he's going to go to LA, um, and, uh, and they're going to test him more. Now there's, there's more to this story that will be revealed later about how it's all kind of a fraud, but, um, he's going to be a good patsy for them to, so they're going to fly him. They're going to, he's going to come out to the coast. They're going to get together, have a few laughs. Uh, we also (laughs) discover, uh, in this portion of the movie that Harry is also the narrator of the movie and he knows what I mean, the Harry that's in the movie doesn't know he's the narrator, but we also hear him narrating and apologizing because as he tells us, he's bad at it, but he's going to narrate it anyway. And we get that throughout. And, and that does definitely elevate the, the meta level and the kind of humor level of the movie. And a it's lot. another tip of the hat to the noir genre, right? Exactly. The, the voiceover mm-hmm. from the detective talking about the case, but also, yes, as you said, doing it badly, Yes, which is largely what Harry does in this movie is and, do things badly. And knows he's doing it badly, but it doesn't matter. He's going to do it anyway, which honestly, that I, I really enjoy that part of this movie. The 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 narrator, I, I mean, there are a lot of meta narrators out there, but like the narrator who is a character in the movie, but also is the narrator and knows that he's bad at being the narrator, but doesn't matter. He's your narrator and you're going to just take it is a good combination. <laughs> like it's funny. Mm-hmm. He also knows he's really bad at being a detective and probably not that great at being an yeah. actor either. Yeah. He's not. He's also he, a terrible That's because he's not a detective or an actor, right? <laughs> he's just a fraud. Yeah. He's a fraud. No, he's all around not a great person. He's a good drinker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He is good at that. He's good at that. Um, And actually, he might be good at shooting people, it turns out. Maybe. Actually, but, yeah. He's good right? at grabbing things out of the air. In the end. Yeah. In the end. <laughs> he but, was a good magician. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just let right. that die. That's it. That's it. So he comes out to the coast and he goes to a party. And this is actually at this point in the movie, I started thinking again, is this just like a super high level Hollywood satire? And it's like, it's not as much as you think it's going to be from these first two scenes, the scene where he goes into the audition when he's on the run from the cops. Good luck. And the scene in the in the uh, in the, the at the Hollywood party. There's still a lot of Hollywood satire to be sure in this movie, but it's not quite like wall to wall like it is at the beginning. But it is, you know, but we do there there is still a lot of it. So here is where he meets uh he he sees his uh, his childhood uh crush. Um he he stops her from being sexually assaulted. Um and then the guy beats him up. And then he sees her leaving with him, which is an interesting sequence where we're trying to figure out who this guy is. And then also we meet Val Kilmer's character, whose name is Gay Perry. Um, Perry Van Shrike, please. Perry Van Shrike, but everybody calls him Gay Perry because he's gay. His nickname is Gay Perry because he's gay. And um, at one point, I love how dumb uh, Harry is that he says, uh, are you still gay? 
<laughs> he says, no, uh, no, I, I stopped all of that. Like, come, come on, you you dummy. Uh, and and I, he, I actually thought that this movie was in the 90s because of the way they were treating yeah. like mm-hmm. this yeah. main gay character. Yeah. I was like, where this are is, we? Like, this, what year is this? I mean, I could totally find with, you know, movies being of their time. And mm-hmm. that was like the thing. That's how everyone like t- it's super wrong obviously, but that was the thing, right? And I was like, whoa, this is 2005. We yeah. should be past this. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that that was a little surprising. The, the movie really wants to have its cake and eat it too. Oh, it does. With the treatment here, which is re- like, hey, it's just, you know, Val Kilmer, he's a private eye and he's gay and, you know, that's fine. He's just doing his job, he's whatever. Competent. But yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah, and like he's competent. So we're trying to sort of, like undercut all the sort of stereotype exactly. things, but at the same time, it's also tremendously like the homophobia displayed by other characters in the movie feels like kind of treated as the way things are. Yeah. Right? It's weird. It's it, very strange. I do about have this. to admit, though, I laughed out loud with the "Don't quit your gay job" joke. I'm <laughs> sorry. It just well, hit me right. It this, was pretty funny. This is the thing. I think is one of the most vexing things about this movie is that, uh, yeah, Dan, I don't know whether it's having your cake or eating it too, but it is, it's, there's this duality where it's a movie that knows homophobia is bad, that creates a very good, positive, uh, kind of stereotype breaking gay character, uh, gay Perry, um, and yet at the same time is its portrayal of homophobia is not like it's it's played for laughs it, it, yeah like, well this is this is the mm-hmm. thing it's like i'm okay with the idea of a movie like a lot of people these days i would say are critical of movies that depict bad behavior because people accuse it of endorsing the bad behavior and sometimes what you're doing is depicting bad people doing bad things you're not endorsing their behavior but this movie like there's that moment the one that really got me is there's a moment where gay perry that's his name we call him gay perry is talking to robert downey jr about high school crushes because of course michelle monaghan is robert downey jr's high school crush and he says yeah i had that too and then he says the name of the boy he had a crush on and the moment he says the boy's name robert downey jr goes ooh. And I thought, uh, and, it, and it's the punchline, right? Mm-hmm. It's a punchline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so that's it's like, like it's, it's, why it's, is that a punchline? Right. So it knows about homophobia. It's trying to fight homophobia, and then it also is basically homophobic in those same I, moments. I, it's perplexing. I it's just want very to add frustrating. It. I think similarly, it struggles a little bit with, I would argue, a the sexism aspect oh, yeah. as well. Oh yeah, right. That, because I was going to bring that up too. Right, because there's a whole bit later on where he gives Michelle Monaghan a hard time, like essentially for like, well, what kind of guys are you hanging out with? Like that, you know, it's no biggie if they decide to like cop a feel or something. And it wants you, it like, it wants Harry. To, it sets him up as sort of the white knight, but in really the oh worst no, he was totally slut shaming, yeah, like, for real, yeah, yeah well, mm-hmm. that too, but like that, and like the scene where he tries to stop the guy from you know assaulting her when she's like passed out on the table early on, like. It wants you to sort of feel like he's a good guy, but in the most kind of gross way, awkward, yeah. bad way. It does not Well, that's like the work. whole like Madonna whore thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. oh, the good guys want you to be like this pristine, wonderful girl for them, but yet, you know, be trashy with them, but not with other people. And with if you're with other people, then you're a whore, right? Like, right, but it, it, it doesn't and, it, and, and it doesn't it's not aware of that. I feel like it's, no. that's the issue with this movie is oh, like. No. It's buying into that, but it's not like it's commenting on that. It's just doing that. I felt like it was really a self unaware of its commentary in both of these instant instances. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I know I'm supposed to talk about uh, sexual harassment and um, homophobia in this way. And then, as you said, it's still doing it and not doing it at the same time in a way that felt it's almost really like a imbalanced. reflex. It's almost like a reflex, yeah. it feels to me, where it's like Shane Black in this in 2005, you know, knows better, but can't help himself. Right. It, that's sort of what it feels like is. And, and it is. He doesn't it's so know weird. how to do it right yet. Yeah. Right. Like he hasn't figured out how do I do it? I mean, I don't think right. anyone knew how to do it right yet. 
I yeah. mean, right? Like, do yeah. you think anyone knew how to do it right yet at that time? I think of like everything in media and that we're, I, you know, looking back now, of course, we could be like, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. You should right. have been better. But at the time, I mean, that really was them trying to be better. So I can't hate on it. Like, I mean, I, I got to say, like, I'm a Friends fan. Like, I love Friends and I think it's a great show. But I mean, my gosh, there's so many horrible like homophobic, uh, fat phobic, like there's just every kind of phobic you can think of from the 90s is in that show. But I can still enjoy that show. Right. You know, but I, and I feel like that this movie is kind of one of those things where it falls yeah. into that that section of history where we knew better, but we still didn't know how to do right. better. And I I don't hate on this movie for those things, but I can use it as a critical jumping off point to like talk about those yeah. issues. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I think what makes it fascinating is that it's not irredeemable. That, like, the existence of Gay Perry, who is a great character with a really great performance by Val Kilmer, he is the guy who keeps trying to reel Harry back in because he's the one who's the... I haven't even mentioned it. Gay Perry is a real detective. And this part in this movie that Robert Downey Jr. is supposedly screen testing for is going to be a detective. So they put paired him with a real detective for a ride-along, essentially, so he can learn the part. And we learn later that this is all a sham because all it is is that Car Colin Farrell is asking for too much money for this part. So they're talking up this hot new unknown from New York that they're having ride with Gay Perry for a week in order to get Colin Farrell worried that they're not going to cast him so he'll come off of his $800,000 thing. It's right. It's all a fraud in the end, which is that's a great moment where where Perry basically says, you know, you're not going to get the part. And he's like, oh, no, you know, you never know. And he's like, no, you're not going to get the part. Right. So so we, we meet Perry and we see how co competent he is. And he's the one who actually knows about this stuff. And he's trying to explain it to his ride along. Um, and that's all great. And so, like, the movie is is aware of all of that on the one level but it's also playing with all the same tropes on the other level I, I yeah i just i think it's fascinating if gay perry was a uh just a uh homophobic parody character it would be a really different story and i would be much less forgiving of the movie but like instead it's just sort of fascinatingly not doesn't have it together right like either way it's just it's it's just there it's it's really weird it's almost like it's both self-aware and, and not unaware yeah. at the same time. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah, I it's think that's weird. right. It is a weird. It is a weird yeah. time for movies. Uh, I think in this area. Mm -hmm. Well, especially if you're if you're, <laughs> it, it's not a weird time if you have the instinct to tread lightly and be careful. <laughs> not but an Shane, instinct. Shane Black. Shane Black is just like has. I don't care. Let's just do all the things in this movie, and it's like okay, but dude, <laughs> let's do it. All right, and and so it's messy. Right? Because he doesn't, he's not treading lightly at Speaking all. Speaking of messy, you didn't mention like that opening scene, which freaked me out. Like, oh, I was like, chainsaw. what yes. movie are we watching where we're watching oh, this little yeah. girl get sawed in half? It turns out it's, it's a flashback where, yeah, a little girl <laughs> oh is in a, in a box and a magician is going to saw her in half with a chainsaw and she begins to scream. Child, chi child magicians. Like, child magician, okay. yeah. So you she can totally to scream, see Everybody freaks bad. out. They they run over. And, with a and, chainsaw. Can we just say it's with a chainsaw? As someone and who was a, a child magician and did like like child magic performances no one would ever <laughs> let me use a chainsaw are you know <laughs> but it's it's great especially when you open the box and you discover that uh she was just really good at acting like she was getting cut in half because she is tucked up in the top half of the box and she didn't get chopped in half and it turns out later that that is uh, that is Michelle Monaghan's character, Harmony, as a kid. And that is Robert Downey Jr.'s character, which is a twist. We don't learn that right away, but we do ultimately learn that that's Harry as a child magician. Played, and that's their background. Played by Robert Downey Jr.'s actual son. Nice. Nice. Oh, really? really? Yep. <laughs> that's one of Robert Downey Jr.'s other con contributions to the movie. I'm going to save the other one for the end. Ooh. So the, the, double, the double mystery here, ultimately, is that... Harry and Perry go to a stakeout and they actually see like a uh, there's like gunfire and then a car comes flying off a cliff and going in a lake and uh, he jumps in and there's a there's a dead woman in the trunk. Um, Perry try, uh, shoots the lock to get the lady out of the trunk, but she's already dead. And then he's also shot her through the head. Um, 
They oops, the daisies. And then and then there's that great moment where Robert Downey Jr. throws the, <laughs> gun, the in gun the lake, in the lake. <laughs> to hide it, yeah. and Perry's like. Like they're not gonna look in the lake for the gun, my gun. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So that is a uh, that that is mystery number one, right? Mystery number two is that Harmony Michelle Monaghan says that to 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 Harry, thinking he's a private detective, right? Um, that her sister came to LA and killed herself, but she doesn't believe that she actually killed herself. Um, and, and, uh, I think at this point he agrees to take the case, even though he's not a detective at all, even remotely, he's not even an actor pretending to be a detective. Cause he's not, he's pretending to be an actor pretending to be a detective at this point. So, uh, there are two mysteries now, dear listener, are those the same mystery? Yes, they are. Of course they are. What? Of course they are. Anyway, so so then uh, amping up the noirish stakes, uh, Harry finds the dead body from the lake in his in the bathtub in his hotel bathroom, <laughs> which is a real shocker and a great moment because it's the moment where he realizes they know exactly who I am and who we were. And then were. he accidentally pees on it, and he does because <laughs> he sees DNA. the body while he's peeing, and then he turns and he's still <laughs> peeing, and it is a thing that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't mention I didn't mention Protocop, but that is a running gag as well. There's a movie called <laughs> that's, Protocop. That's Actually, right. before you go forward, yes. I do want to point out how like, OK, so we were talking about early on how there's so much in this movie mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, it's kind of more fun to just let it be itself and do all its goofy stuff and be like, whatever, just just go for it. But like a lot of the stakes in this movie are really upsetting, you know, like, yeah. so like the whole, you know, sister with the yeah. incestuous rape, oh. like, Oh, we did, I didn't mention like that. The, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like well, the crime well, that's actually going on here oh, is really, really dark and upsetting. Really and it's like, yeah. it's too upsetting for it to be a dark comedy. And so like, you know, like it's almost like you went too far. What are we doing here? With yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's like you you could have picked a crime that was like less like heart wrenchingly awful for to make jokes about like around you know. Tiff, to your point about like oh we we, we didn't even mention it like the movie also kind of just like drops that as a mm. point and then moves on. it's like literally one line where Robert Downey Jr.'s mm-hmm. narrator is like oh yeah it's too bad the the dad was going after the little sister every day anyways back yeah, to the movie yeah but then they like, have that what? like flashback what? of like the father picking her up out of bed yeah. like it's horrible it's just like this it's is awful. SVU like I'm upset and it's, then he punches it's treated the as a plot point right end. like you know but it's treated it's dropped such a point that it feels like they just kind of brush it off even though it does become yeah. relevant later but it's it's uncomfortable I think how how like breezily they treat that scene yes they kind of like let it go yeah it's like too serious of a crime and they they handle it too lightly and then like this is supposed to be a funny thing (laughs) going on it's like well you kind of picked the wrong crime you you read the room wrong here right yeah i I have a theory about why it's blunted it's kind of nerfed in the screenplay i think because harmony's story is that she is trying to get out of her house because she hates it there and her her father or stepfather or whatever his father I guess is uh, molesting her little sister. Um, and then she says basically like the first chance I got I got out of there. And it's like and left the little sister behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the movie's like mm, yeah that is really bad isn't it? Well we're not gonna well let's move past it so people don't judge well, her too much. Later on they about were it. like oh well actually we got her into foster care first before I left. Yeah. Like she does mention that for like real quick. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but sure. it's still it's like, still not good. I think not it good. goes back to that the whole unbalance because it's again it's another piece of like sexual assault and incest and it's like we're it's so unbalanced on how it's talking about it. It's like both self-aware and unaware and like we're just going to breeze yeah. past this massive problem and and not give it the treatment it needs and that's it's just the same unbalance as you're doing in other areas mm. around this topic i want to i mean talking about harmony as a character one of the dynamics here and i think it goes to her troubled family life that is talked about in this movie is the way he describes her is she was not his sweetheart in high school the way robert danny jr yeah. describes her mm-hmm. is she mm-hmm. slept with everybody in the high school except him because he was her friend now there's probably some interesting psychodynamics that we could talk about there. The movie's not interested in that, really. The movie nope. is setting up 
a beat. It's not even a joke. It's just a beat, which is the one pact that they made is that his best guy friend, she wouldn't sleep with him. Um, which itself is a little weird. But then, of course, the turn is that she admits in a moment of weakness and stress that she did sleep with the friend, too. And Robert Downey Jr. is like, well, that's it. Friendship over. Friendship ended with Harmony um, on that moment. It is it is very weird because it is very um, needy guy fantasy that the girl that he wants is obviously sleeping with everybody but him and woe right. is him. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely like that's the story that we're telling about about his his past with Harmony here. After he sleeps with her friend, like he did this, like he sleeps slept with her yeah. friend uh, last night, like just now. And then you're going to be mad about something that you're doing the same yep. thing. Yeah, he had a terrible ago. rant. He has that terrible <gasps> rant in the club too, where she's working oh, yeah. about like, oh, you take a you know a woman who sleeps around, and there's something psychologically wrong with her. You take a guy who sleeps around, it's that's just normal. They're totally like, fine. Again, again, trying, I, but it, right? Almost self aware, but not, almost but not, not but yes, missing almost the point. Bad, bad. Almost, Super almost bad, got yes. there, and then he didn't get there. There, there are so some close. moments in there in that in that scene in particular that I do like. I actually really like, even though it's, I know it's kind of obvious, but the LA satire where there are the, all the beautiful women and like one of them walks up to him and says, what do you do? And he doesn't say basically I'm a producer. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she starts moving <laughs> and he says, are we done, done here? And she's yeah. like, yeah. And I like it. Cause it's just like, oh, it's a business transaction. Right. Cause it's LA. And like, I know it, but like, that was a fun moment. Also, again, to talk about, like, we've been talking about all the heavy stuff that is absolutely in this movie. I will point out that. When Perry shows up, because um, Michelle Monaghan delays the cops who are coming because they've been tipped off that the dead body is in his hotel room, um, which is a nice move. She gives them the wrong. She's like, no, 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 no. That's not the floor it's on. It's on the fifth floor um, in order to delay them. She and- does a lot of quick thinking in this movie. Oh, so yeah. bravo. I like yeah. that about her character a um, lot. And then yeah. she doesn't get credit for it at all. No. And she's like, nope. I'm covering they- all these ding dong's asses. And, and, the movie- I'm like- <laughs> and the movie doesn't treat her particularly great in a lot of the movie, even though no. she is one of the better characters. Sure. In it. Sure. So uh, Perry gets up there and they are going down the stairs and then they realize they're going up the stairs and they go to the roof and and they throw the the dead body off. And I just want to say this is the kind of movie where you could elicit a very large belly laugh for me, at least when they throw the body (laughs) off the roof and it hits section on the edge of a dumpster. That's a funny scene. I laughed. I laughed. I laughed as well. I I, I remembered it and I still laughed. Oh, <laughs> I was like, they missed the dumpster. I was like, like what? It's oh. more, that, that, I, that I thought is they the were part. aiming for the dumpster. <laughs> so did I. I thought they were trying to put it in the dumpster. Either way. Have you ever done that to a Christmas tree? It's so satisfying. <laughs> it's like instead of dragging it all through your house, just out the window. Just do it. It sure, says it halfway hit it, though. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's things too. like that. It's moments like that, too, where I feel like, oh, this movie, this is the tone. This is the tone yeah. this movie needs. And it doesn't quite like the moments when it hits that. I think this movie does really well. Like the like the bit well, you know, later on where I mentioned the who taught you, who who taught you math, right? Where he's trying to intimidate the guy by doing <laughs> Russian roulette. That is a funny oh, scene to me. Yeah. I enjoy that scene yep. because it's dumb and it's but it's it's really well executed. <laughs> no pun intended there. And I think that if it can kind of hit that note more, this this movie would just be like even more successful for me. Yeah. So let's see what what happens. What happens next? Uh, does, is this when where does he, he gets lose his... the finger? Oh, he lost the finger when she got mad at him for sleeping with her friend. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. I feel I think like that's the what finger, like you think it just it, all of a sudden it happens like out of nowhere, yeah. and yeah. then it becomes this thread in the rest of the movie. And I yeah. think that that's pretty darn funny. She, like she slams his finger in the door, fantastic. and his finger his finger comes off. And he spends the rest of the, the movie. They, they do stitch the finger on at one point. It doesn't last because the movie continues after that point. <laughs> he ends up with no finger. He's got like, he's holding on. He's been, he's uh, shot up with drugs he at ends one up point. With the, well, he gets a the dog, dog with a finger in it. his finger. That well, was that, the thing I felt like yeah. he and deserved. And then he hugs the dog. I was like, that's yeah. so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love the whole bit with the finger. I love it so much. So the two guys who were silhouetted when they're dumping the, the, the car and the body in the lake are coming after the after him um and so they're mixed up obviously they're mixed up in 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 something else um let's see what what ends up happening the the uh the thing that i that really jumps out for me is that there's the um 
There's the the pink haired girl who steals the car, and Harry having been shot up with uh, lots of drugs because he got his finger knocked off, uh, is asleep in the back seat. Um, and then and then he he wakes up and discovers that the the bad guy is there to kill the girl with the pink hair. And there's that moment where they're like, which I think is a legitimately brilliant and chilling moment where he's under the bed, Harry's under the bed hiding. Mm-hmm. And the guy comes in mm-hmm. and and they're talking as if they're going to go to bed together. But that and then she's saying like, oh, I won't tell. And then he says, I know you won't. And he shoots her and she's dead. But she doesn't just die. She falls off the bed. And while she's still alive, she sees that Harry is under the bed and tries to say something. And he and he puts his hand over her mouth to save himself, basically stifling her last breath before she dies. It's like. I think it's a really amazing scene. It's, it's so dark. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's really well done. And that scene yeah. directly mm-hmm. after it, too, where he climbs out from the bed and the guy comes back in, like, getting ready to dispose of the body. And, like, has <laughs> left his gun on the bed. Yeah. Like, it's, I, I think that's very a very well done scene. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's very dark, but, um, like... I don't know, super visceral and interesting. And, you know, because your your protagonist is trying to save his own life there. But then this this character who we just met uh, in a funny moment has now been murdered and she's not quite dead yet. And it's just, yeah. And then she leaves. She has their final sigh. And then you know that she's died. Um, yeah. Um, let's see what what happens next. I mean, the. the a lot of a lot of things we end up in what like doesn't a, happen next i mean there's 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 a chase in the park what we what we find out is that these are the same case that corbin burnson great use of stock yeah. footage of corbin burnson oh. from the the 80s mm-hmm. uh who is mm-hmm. who is a, an actor he is doing like a like a switcheroo um and and that the the he switched the pink hair girl for the sister the daughter, or the for daughter. the daughter, or for his, his daughter, daughter, who mm-hmm. is suing him basically over, uh, like the estate of his late wife. Yeah, it is a very complex. It is a Raymond Chandler. It, it is absolutely complex. <laughs> uh, new noir. Plot, perhaps he put, too yeah, complex. he put his daughter in the like in a mental institute yes. to get her out of the way, and then replaced her so that he could get rid of the lawsuit without killing his daughter, just sidelining her. Right. Just yet. <laughs> Yet. yet yes yeah. yet except that doesn't that doesn't actually work out um yeah the 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 big climax is that we end up in, with the like there's the there's the what is it she runs across the road and jumps off the bridge and the, they're in the car uh, and there's a shootout on the on on the street on that bridge um like couple there, explosions, you know. There are explosions. There's a shootout. I don't know how she gets out of that van at one point. That van hits a car straight on, and there's like flames. And then yeah. Michelle Monaghan <laughs> climbs out the side of the van, and you're like, "What? Okay, <laughs> okay, sure." The casket goes flying from the, the casket goes flying. The yeah, daughter from the, cl- the mental institution. Right, right. Because yeah. he has to the catch the hand casket in the van. Yep. Everything yeah. happens. Yeah, We're doing everything terrible. does happen. Trying yeah. to like it, it, it lay is this all out. What's happening? This chaos. Like, it's a We're hot mess. Throwing some explosions. <laughs> it, well, there the we idea go. It's is fine. that it's fine. all of these Wrap cases come together at once in an explosive moment where there are like corpses and vans spiriting things away and uh, people running after the vans and and shootouts and uh, um and you know some of the characters are escaping down below the 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 bridge that uh the, like the overpass but then some of them are on there and that's what happens is that harry and uh perry get shot and it looks like perry is dead because he has blood coming out of his mouth but he's not or is he or he's not but or or is he anyway uh he's not let's say let's just say he's not and they manage and then harry you know harry keeps killing people how it turns out again harry is good at killing people um and and so in the end harry kind of finishes the the story um at which point there's a very funny uh denouement in the hospital where bad narrator harry says uh oh yeah gay perry was fine which is funny and then and then says i know it's one of those things where somebody looks dead and then you bring them back at the end to make the audience feel better 
hell, let's just bring everybody back. And then everybody else who died walks into the hospital room. <laughs> Including Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yes. In a truly weird so moment. Good. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's, Elvis shows up there like, briefly yes. at the end, too. They like Elvis, push him yeah. away. Yeah, I Elvis love is a little there sprinkle too. of Lincoln. Who doesn't? But they, I, do, but, I do think that's very funny, but also out what? of left field in it this is movie. yeah it's been it, it doesn't it doesn't happen at any other point in the movie which is why it's so weird um but then perry is still there so we're just going to go with it even though that like he's hanging on a lantern on the idea that we've sold the fact that perry sadly died in the shootout but then here he is he's 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 going to be okay after all um i think there's one other moment where the narrator does something like this that where it's just sort of like ban- he bananas he tells him he tells people to move in the flashback cuz they're in the way uh, at one point, yeah, where they're doing, they're showing the, the magic, magic show, and he mentions like, oh yeah, hey, there's, there's two, two people in the front. He's like, you got to get out of yeah. the way, so we, which can is see also this. funny, but strange. Yeah, it's very, it's very strange. Um, so this is where we we learn like the complexity of this plot. That is like, uh, sadly, Harmony's sister did commit suicide. She committed suicide after some very dark, dark reasons because she sees. Corbin Burnson having sex with who she believes is his daughter, but it's not. It's the fake daughter. But now she believes that that she's found herself trapped in another uh, incest house. Uh, it's it's real. It's real dark. And you, you've, I think we missed the point that Harmony lied to her and said because just like make her feel better, like the person who's assaulting you in your childhood yeah. wasn't now, your real. It's not your real father. Your real father right. is this actor who came to town. It's Corbin so Burnson. she went off to find her real father and then finds out he is also having sex with his With his daughter, daughter, even though that's not right. what's happening. But like, well, wacky misunderstanding? No, it is not a wacky misunderstanding. <laughs> that's not wacky at all. She hires Perry under Harmony's stage name, which is where this turns into a bit of an Ouroboros. Like, yeah. Because yeah. she's yeah. the client who hires Perry at the beginning and then sees the murder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very confusing. It's Chandler. I wouldn't. Ma- I wouldn't be surprised if somebody asked Shane Black. So Shane, here's a fine detail of the plot. What? Is, who? Who actually did this part? And he'd be like Raymond Chandler. He'd be like, oh, I, don't I, don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, There's a couple other weird little bits in here that I kind of. It struck me this time watching through that um, he he does these little asides at a couple points or little like I don't even know what to call them idiosyncrasies. Um, where he makes these references that you feel like are there to amuse him. Hmm. Uh, he, he mentions at one point, like, I hate, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has this thing about like, oh, you think that's going to be important later on? Like, come on, I hate when they do this in movies where they drop this important thing. And then he references a scene from Hunt for Red October. Yeah, that's it. And, and he worked, <laughs> Shane Black worked as a punch-up uh, writer yeah. on Hunt for Red October, which is weird. But then the other thing that got me this time was the, he has, she has the friend who's the flight attendant flicka flicka my friend flicka she flicka. says he makes it yes he is which is a thing right it's a book i think yeah. my friend flicka and yeah. i was like why is that in there that's a joke for like five people who are like because the people who are going to get that joke i do not think are the people watching this yeah. movie by and large but it feels like shane black put that in there because he's like i think this is really funny he just it made him laugh so he kept in so dan that previous yeah. one that's what i was referring to is the other time that the narration gets really weird is when uh he uh, gets beat up by the guy who then walks out with Michelle Monaghan. And I think right after that, um, he says something like, huh, you know, in movies where things happen and you're like, I don't really understand why, but it's probably not important. Uh, geez, I wonder if that's going to be important later. Yeah, the and, explication. And then the, and then the movie goes on. And it's like, I mean, I like, I'm amused by the fact that it does that, but um, I don't know. There, there's not... Like the narrator is all over the place, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And well, that was like you know the whole idea of the unreliable narrator, right? Like he's drunk all the time. He's also confused about what's going on. He he's just he doesn't even know what his profession is. He's he's all over the place. Like that's just true. the Robert Downey Jr. character. <laughs> say, and so he did say he was bad at narrating. I guess he was right. Yeah, I mean, so it all kind of like if word. you. If you want to, yeah, if you want to, like, make it make sense to you, it's like, yeah, what they put in that one line of dialogue that he's like this. And so let's be OK with it. Yeah. So the, en- the end of the movie is basically Harry's like, well, now I work for Gay Perry. That's my job now is that is that I work for the detective and that's what I do, which given what we've seen him do in terms of the plot and firing a gun and shooting people, sometimes accidentally, maybe that is not a bad job for him to have. Um, See, this is the part where I think to myself, despite all my problems with this movie, I kind of wish I could have that sequel 
where it's the two of them working oh, as private yeah. eyes, right? <laughs> a great buddy cop movie, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like a, a film noir, again, where it's just, you know, Perry and Harry investigate crime. But where's Harmony? Crimes. What happens to her? She goes yeah, home. Are, doesn't she She was go like home? one of the best characters, and then like, yeah, there was like the funeral for her sister, but then like, where'd she go? Like, yeah. She seemed mm-hmm. competent and intelligent. Oh, yeah, and, like, that's it. Tiff, like, no. Tiff, the film isn't interested in what the woman does. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, her sister's well, dead. She's right? sad now forever. <laughs> Let's send her back to Nebraska. <laughs> but isn't it? Okay. So looking at from the, the mystery structure, though, is they set it up with there's always two mysteries. They're always connected. Right. But in the end, they're kind of not. They are yeah. and they aren't. They're sort of co- yeah. connected by coincidence. But then harmony's story is actually way more tragic yes than mm-hmm. we actually think it is and again i think to your point earlier tiff where it's like it's so sad and it's way too sad for the tone of the movie so yeah. then we just have to shove harmony off in a corner because we don't actually want to think about don't how awful about that it. situation is for and her, also, her why, sister why does gay perry get to do the slapping of the stupid you know incestuous father right instead of harmony like harmony should have like yeah. busted up in there and like punched the dude in the face like yeah get some you know get some revenge but she's not nowhere to be found we've delegated that to val mm-hmm. yeah thanks val right it was that was her request it's like i look i can't do it but could you slap him around a little bit you're a detective yes. and he's like i got Rough it. him up a bit i'll, I'll do this you're for a man uh, i'll give you the friends and family <laughs> raid for this it's a you know a cheaper slap and slapping somebody around. I I slap child molesters around for free. He declared and then went in there and took care of it. I don't know. It is, um, yeah, it is very much on the template of a of a of a Raymond Chandler twisty plot kind of thing with a lot of extra stuff poured into it. A lot of extra stuff. It is. I was. I mean, again, while being all the things we just talked about, while being there on one level, being kind of like perplexed and vexed about like some of the decisions that get made in this and that its tone is kind of varies wildly and there are some decisions where you're like why did you make that decision I will also say and I think this happens in a lot of of Shane Black movies I I did ask myself at the end are you not entertained like it moves fast it's quippy it's uh, got a lot of interesting characters being played by some very interesting performers Um, it is you know, I I enjoyed the ride while also having several moments where I'm like, what are you doing? Right. It's just a I don't know. It's a it's a weird movie. I would say on balance, I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, it is it is perplexing. I, I just keep coming black to, back to that. Black to that. Oh, black. Shame oh, black no. to <laughs> that. Wait. OK, so I, I feel like this movie is the equivalent of like, have you ever, you know, gone to a college party and there's like a big Tupperware thing in the basement and it's like all the like juice and like frozen fruit and stuff and and alcohol that people pour into it. It's oh, like this big yep. like hooch yeah. container of like jungle juice or whatever, like the thousand names that it Alcoholic could be Alcoholic swamp water. Yeah. 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 It's like that. But a movie. But a movie. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that was fun, and it kind of tastes good. But man, there's mm. some serious stuff in here, and it's gonna don't mess you up. It. Don't but think I'm about also it. Having fun. Don't drink, think man. about it. Mm-hmm. Just drink it. Yeah. <laughs> just go in the basement, take your cup, and take a scoop. Like mm-hmm. it'll be fine. Tiff, I think is the perfect analogy, and I think also sadly explains why at 25 I probably really love this. Movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I should not have thought about it after that. Right. Uh, I think that it is not a good movie. I'm just going to say, and it's really interesting because I just watched Long Kiss Goodnight just also very recently <laughs> because also a Christmas movie. And we, I thought it would be a little more romantic than it was. It doesn't have a lot of romance, but we did it for Agents of Smooch just last week as our Christmas, one of our Christmas movies. And it is more cohesive and has a better through line. I think it's a better constructed movie than this one. And I actually also quite enjoyed it. I I liked it better than this one. But also, I'm like, I'm starting to see the flavor that is Shane Black. Because there's something similar in both of those movies that gives you the same feelings and uh there were a few of the same problems but uh, like a much lighter lighter touch to it around uh, not the the homophobia but the sexism but it was a much lighter touch to it than this movie so better movie similar flavor i think i would watch long kiss goodnight before i would watch this one i will i will reiterate my call for if you want to see a movie that's kind of like this but shane black has kind of 
gotten himself under control. The Nice Guys okay. is a movie in which he does the like. I actually think he kind of went back and took another crack at this genre. Basically, it's like, what if I just made a kind of a detective of like a buddy detective movie? And I feel like there's a maturity to that. I think in this in the Nice Guys yeah. that he does not quite nail here. Um, and I think that movie is highly underrated and was not seen by enough people. So if you liked this movie but were like, oh man, I really wanted to like it more. How do they recommend checking hmm. out The Nice Guys? I think you will like it. Because I think there form. is a good movie inside of this yes. not good movie. Yes. Yeah, I mean, even even if I uh, enjoyed it, and I did enjoy it, it is it is also, yeah, it's just a mess. It's a mess. It's and, worth, yeah. It's worth noting, too, that it's, it's the first movie he ever directed. He had mm -hmm. written a lot of movies before this. And that, I think, you know, he, one thing to like, say, like, oh, I wrote this movie and then somebody else, you know, Lethal Weapon or whatever, somebody went and directed it. But it is very different when you are the person who is making all the ultimate decisions. And the first time you are doing that, I think you're likely to make some mistakes. Yeah, I think so. This was his mm -hmm. first director. And then uh, Iron Man 3 was his next mm -hmm. that he directed. Um, yeah, it is. I, I think it also really shows having read about the production of it and 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 read that it was initially a departure screenplay that nobody wanted to make and so then you know Joel Silver basically said uh, let's make it but more Shane Black and and it became you know more than the departure uh, or less than the departure that he was originally hoping it to be and that may be why it feels a little bit weird tonally is that it was something else and then got revamped into into this i wanted to mention also, as we wrap up here, the end credits play over a song called Broken. <laughs> and and I want to explain exactly how I felt when the end credits ran. Is The end credits begin to run and I'm looking at who's in the movie and who made the movie. And then a part of my brain says, listen to the song. I listen to the song and I think, I don't know what it is about this song, but it's like, really bad like i hate this song it's like a pop song that is bad in all the ways the singing is weird the music is weird it's an a deeply unpleasant song and i have to be honest at that point my brain said we must keep listening to this terrible song until the credit comes up revealing who is the person who did this terrible song well this terrible song was co-written and sung by robert downey jr bob <laughs> this ain't it <laughs> it is real bad like it's hilariously funny, bad funny too because the the opening credits of this movie are actually kind of great like they're they're very much like a throwback to like a uh, Saul Bass sort of like mm -hmm. you know like detective movie no, I with thought a great little yeah, score really behind it and everything and again like so many other things this movie is like why did you make this choice yeah, yeah. <laughs> why I don't know I don't know. Clearly, had beers uh, one night. They singing the song. They're like, you know what? That'd be a great that credit movie. song. Yeah. They forgot what they did in the beginning. By the time they got to the end, and they're like, I don't know where we are. Let's just maybe, throw this song. In maybe here. that's how they kept um, Downey off the drugs. It was like, Bob, if you get through this movie all the way through without making the movie fall apart because you're on drugs, you can sing the end credits song. Okay, Bobby, baby. <laughs> okay, but only if you get through. Otherwise, not going to do it. I'm going to have like white tiger do it instead okay so you <laughs> focus and it's like great okay all right we'll put your bad bad song by by that point everybody's leaving the theater. really i think movie theaters must have loved that song because nobody is going to stick around for the credits fortunately mm -hmm. it was not from the era where there was a mid-credit sequence in a robert downey jr movie that oh, would come yeah. <laughs> only a few years later well it's kilmus uh val kilmer best part of this movie i think definitely the best i part. think he is the best thing in the movie I do. Kilmer? I hardly know her. No, oh. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, you've seen other Val Kilmer movies, Tiff, it turns out. You just didn't realize that you'd seen them, right? Yes. I'm just bad at recognizing actors. Okay. Unless they're That's like, fair. you know, like a Brad Pitt or, you know, that kind of... I mean, I probably should recognize Val Kilmer faster well, now you than will. I did, but... Now yeah, you will. Now I will. Now I will. He's very square. I can see him. He is very <laughs> square. I it's did the, send uh, to the rest of you in a, in a message, but um, one of my favorite things ever, which is Val Kilmer getting interviewed on The Daily Show by Jon Stewart in like the mid-2000s or something. I remember watching this on TV at the time. It is the weirdest interview 
I have hmm. ever seen in my life, and it's hilarious, and everybody should watch it. All right. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and uh, just again, I want to say before we go, Shane Black's Wikipedia page. So we learn... <laughs> Lethal Weapon, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, and The Nice Guys all have a Christmas setting. Of course they do. Because... But not The Predator. But not The Predator. <laughs> enough, could not make it that really happen. should be a Christmas movie. It really should be a Christmas movie. <laughs> Maybe the next one. Get the next it's one. It's like a Christmas gift to the world. All right. Well, we did it. It's a Kilmas miracle again. Uh, next year, uh, I don't know. Tombstone, maybe? I don't know. We'll figure it out. I wanted to do Top Gun and nobody else voted for Top Gun at all. It's fine. I get it. He's not actually, it's, that's not a Look, great I Kilmer always movie. wanted to do Top Gun. He, he's not, I mean, he's not in it a lot. But he's, he's not the, the most interesting in thing it. in that movie. He is. Well, if you like <laughs> in the volleyball scene, okay, I'll give it to you. Look, like, when I was in grade seven, he was all I cared about. <laughs> yeah, but he just doesn't do anything in that movie. He's just no. sort of like around to be the antagonist to Maverick. But anyway, that's a different conversation that we'll have someday at Kilmus, but not this time. Let me thank my panelists for being here and taking this wild ride on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, Annette Weirstra, I'll consider you Kiss. Thank you. I feel honored to be invited to Kilmus again this year because it's not complete this season without Kilmus. It isn't. Now we've done it. Now we can close the year outright. Dan Morin, also Kiss. Oh, uh, I'm retired. I invented dice when I was a kid. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we're done here. Tiff, bang. I'm so happy to be bang. Thank you. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> and uh, bang, I guess for me too. Uh, thank you to everybody out there for listening. Merry Kilmas to all and to all a good night. <laughs> <laughs>